understanding how we can all be better observers of ourselves and also better communicators together, I think has been what I would say the strongest leadership lesson that I've been a part of helping kind of enable and encourage those discussions more than let's go through this leadership book. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. My name is Adam, and I am joined by my co-host, Chloe. And today we are joined by celebrated leader and innovator, Christine Rogers. Christine is the president and COO of Aspireship, a company committed to training future leaders for exciting careers and proactively matching them with fast-growing employers in need of talented and ambitious professionals. Welcome to the show, Christine. It is a pleasure to have you on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Chloe and I have had a chance to get to know each other a little bit over the last few months, but Adam, delighted to meet you too. Thanks yes, for- thank you. Yes, 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 that's yes. Right. Yep. Thank you so much, Christine, for joining us. So, so tell us all about Aspireship. Sure. So essentially we, um, you know, my last 10 years, I've been running and developing an enablement in preparedness for sales, and mm-hmm. then also carrying the quota for sales. Mm-hmm. Specifically in software as a, you know, software and technology selling environments mm-hmm. and always was having a hard time, you know, consistently finding good, talented people to take these roles. So mm-hmm. what we decided and saw this, this is really a systemic problem. So we created Aspireship, which is a course platform that allows someone mm-hmm. without experience to come in, learn how to have kind of foundational selling, which is hard and soft skills and develop that right. through coursework. And then if they can complete it and also pass to show that they are truly competent and capable to do this work, then we Mm -hmm. match them with companies that care more about competency um, and ability over having a perfect resume. Mm. So Uh, we're kind of where training and enablement meets recruiting. The one thing mm. that is a little bit different is that we don't charge nice. for we don't charge for the training or the coursework. Okay. So we allow people to come in and prove that they can do the work. And that allows mm. for a lot of different types of individuals with all different backgrounds to mm. enter sales when maybe they've never been given the opportunity before. Interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. I mean, and especially since sales is, you know, such a very lucrative career opportunity, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm sure that a lot of people want to to move mm-hmm. into it, but there's no real sort of formal training in college or, you know, no. in, in any sort of form. So you'd have to kind of get mm-hmm. some sort of training. It's not something that you're just born with. So I think that's an incredible thing that you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. I think I think you're right in calling out that it's not something it's kind of like people default to it, like their parents mm. said to them or somebody said, like, yep. oh, you got the gift of gab, you should be in sales. And yep. it's OK. I don't even know what that means. You know, yeah. so mm-hmm. what, what's really fun about this work is seeing people who are really leaning into who they are. And, and also that allows for people that if it's not for them, they can mm-hmm. self-select out without having. Right 
you know, without having issue. So Mm -hmm. if they get in and they're like, you know what? I actually really hated doing that. That felt really uncomfortable and I don't want to do that. (laughs) God, how much better than they don't have to go through thinking, I think this is for me. And then being disappointed and certainly the company being disappointed as well. Right, 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 right. right. And then- Oh, go ahead, Adam. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, maybe you're going to ask the same thing. We find that a lot with Chloe and I. Well, yes. One of us will jump in and we, <laughs> we're going to ask the exact same question. Um, so who are you seeing entering into this program, right? I mean, are these uh, folks coming straight out of college? Is it people looking for a career change? Is it people reentering the workforce for one reason or another? What would you say the, the greatest mix of uh, the applicants or the participants are for uh, your program? Sure. So interestingly enough, we had a completely different hypothesis when we started mm-hmm. in October. We started October 2019. Okay. So um, we thought it was going to be a lot of right out of college, um, kind of like millennials, maybe their first couple of years of work coming in. That's what we really mm-hmm. thought it was predominantly going to be. What we mm-hmm. have seen is this mostly transition, people who want to transition mm. into it. So. Mm. I mean, Hmm. the pandemic happening really caused a lot of people to take a look at and say, do I want to be in the in the world that I've been in before now that I'm kind of unsettled or maybe lost my job or did different things? Or do I want to get into a growing field, which, you know, SaaS and technology is. So we have seen so many people, especially from like the hospitality area, Mm. um, you know, where they were, you know, selling. They know how it feels to carry a quota but they don't know how it feels to sell a software. They don't know how it feels to sell something that's not a pen. You know, they, it's different. And Mm -hmm. when you're selling an experience, so they really did need to learn what's the difference. What are Mm -hmm. the terms that we use? What are the internal, like what does an inside sales environment feel like? And also our course allows that like you can, we can emulate the role. So do a role play, feel how it feels. Are you Mm -hmm. understanding those concepts and can you do it? And so we're seeing a lot of people that are transitioning very successfully into, into um, SaaS selling roles from other careers. That's great. That's great. So Hmm. Christine, talk to us a little bit about how important having, you know, a a sales team is to to a growing company. I just want all Mm -hmm. of our sort of small businesses out there to just be thinking about that, because a lot of times entrepreneurs think, oh, I have to be doing all the selling on my own and it's make it hard for them to grow. So just kind of talk about that a little bit. I'm going to start by saying, I think everybody needs to have an understanding of selling, no matter what part Mm -hmm. of business that you're in. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. even if you were on the customer experience side and you are serving your clients, you also need to have the mindset of how can I continually serve them through also additional upsells or different things that we have. So one thing I would caution, especially in smaller businesses, is to just think like, all right, I'm going to hire one or two people. And that's their job to bring in revenue. It's right. like, okay, everybody should be. Everybody. In. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right? You know, we're, we're, and we yep. really think about it, you know, so the marketing, oh, marketing, no, marketing is bringing in revenue. Yep. Yeah. That marketing is bringing in revenue. So like, I think it's really important. A lot of times I'll have teams that will bring in their marketing people, take the course, their customer experience people take, they're like, we want everybody understanding how to ask good questions, how to be able to handle objections, Mm -hmm. how to be able to understand how to engage 
on a team, how to work together. What is an ICP? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when you start talking about these things, they're very relevant for a lot of roles in the organization, not Mm -hmm. just one. I will say that when you actually want to turn and really start kicking things up a notch, you absolutely need to have a a sales team. You you really do in most organizations, people that are, that is their job to attract the right people through the top of the funnel with marketing, doing those Mm -hmm. things, pulling them down, having a great conversation and bringing in great clients. Mm -hmm. In fact, we always say, you know, the way that you make a lot of money is getting and keeping great customers. And it doesn't make sense for most businesses to churn people right out if it's not good. And and at the beginning, we do the little bit of that because we're trying to figure it out, right? So once you start to understand like, oh, this is where we're going. And then Mm -hmm. when we're on the outskirts, it makes it a little more risky, but we can start doing those things to make sure that we're really in lockstep with what our product and our service can deliver. So I absolutely think that when it's time to really start growing in Mm -hmm. a way that's where you've got good product market fit, you've got an understanding of your service product, who your customer is and who you're serving well, then it's time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. And, and, and I, and I love that little bit of advice, right? Everybody's a salesperson inside your organization because you never know who's going to run into whom and, you know, the conversations that come up. So really, truly training everybody inside your organization to sell. That's a smart move. I mean, that's, that is one of those tips that I hope everybody kind of had their ears perk up a little bit on and realize that everybody sells. Yeah. Yeah. But I would also offer a counterpoint to that to say, I would say everybody needs to understand what it means to serve the client too. So on a Mm -hmm. customer experience, you know, we are thinking about how are we best serving these people? And if a customer, um, you, you, a customer calls back to a salesperson after they've been sold and they're frustrated and the salesperson ignores them, uh, or just is like, you know, well, that's supports job or that's this job. And I don't want to take care of the customer that is equally as disturbing and frustrating and also Mm -hmm. talk. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's, there's risk in that too, right? If you've got the logo on your shirt or somebody knows you've come from XYZ company and they're like, Hey, I've got a problem. You're like, Oh, sorry, not my department. Oh, wow. It only takes one or two of those interactions and your name is mud on the market, you know? So that's critical. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone should be able to articulate what the value is that your organization mm-hmm. has and also be able to overcome any objections that people have right. just in right. conversation. And if you don't know, just say, I don't know. But you know what? Let me get your information. I'll find somebody who does and can help you and we will get back to you. Yeah. So, Christine, tell us a little bit about your journey, too. You know, yeah. how did you get to Aspireship and, and, and what were you doing before this? Tell us a little bit more about that. Love these stories. <laughs> I've been in sales pretty much my whole adult career. So started in insurance and then actually had my own business for a little while. It was a retail mm. store and did that for a few years until um, kind of the downturn happened in like mm-hmm. 2009. And then because of my small business experience, I ended up working at a small business, uh, a software company that serves small businesses. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know about software selling. Like I didn't know anything about that. I know I've been selling my whole life and I also Mm -hmm. knew about small businesses. Mm -hmm. So I started working for that company and pretty quickly took a very non-traditional path up to leadership. But because I had the frame, like I had all of that in my head from being an entrepreneur, right, you know, right. working in that. So it was easy for me to relate to the clients. And, and also 
I probably was not the very, very best salesperson. I'm really good at understanding process and the best salespeople are, are the ones that you want to enable and make them great. And so mm-hmm. I started, I kind of started working in enablement and how can we you know, create things that are consistent. And so that if I bring on four new people that we can get them on board and we can get them trained and we can get, we can get to results within a first, you know, the first few months. And how do we do that? So I started that and then, and then ended up, um, over a couple of years, um, ended up taking over the direct sales floor as well. So was carrying that revenue number as well. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, as, so that's really where I started learning, like, wow, these are, these are more systemic issues. These right. are things coming up. I'm seeing how the, when people are doing well and we're aligning their native genius with specifically the things that, that are that job and that function, how much mm-hmm. better they do and how much more fulfilled they are and how much that impacts the bottom line. Like we're making money, you know? Right. So, right. Yeah. Those things just started really making sense for me. Um, I transitioned to a different company um, shortly thereafter as the VP of sales. And, you know, it's just been a learning journey along the way. I took those same learnings and did those there. And then, so that's really what we're starting to see here at Aspireship is like those same things are for most companies that are growing, Mm -hmm. especially in a high growth environment, these same challenges. So if we can start to create a good, strong employee before they've ever even met, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the hiring manager, because they understand more, they know what they're walking into. They're not confused about the job. They're mm-hmm. enthusiastic about the work and they're not adapting to be something. Right. I, I think we're actually, our retention numbers are showing that to be true, that at the 90 day mark, we're doing much better. They're sticking, they're happier, they're uh, learners, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they're really mm-hmm. already in the zone of, I've been learning the last couple of months and now I'm ready to jump in and learn again. And they are enthusiastic about being there. So I think, you know, all of the culmination of the things that I've learned to bring me here, it's really an interesting mix. It's like, I look at like the table of ingredients and it's like, what can, what can we make now? You know, it's right, like, <laughs> right. That's cool. yeah, that is wonderful. That yeah. is wonderful. So how do you think companies, you know, the employers that you work with, how can they best sort of set their sales teams up for success? So if somebody's working mm-hmm. with you and they bring on two or three individual sales hires, you know, SDRs or, or BDRs, however mm-hmm. the organizations call them, how can they set them up for success once they're in the organization? So I think that a couple of things are really, really critical. Number one, if important to know what type of role you need. So when we talk about SDRs or BDRs, we're talking about kind of like that opening, that qualification. Sometimes they're going Mm -hmm. and they are filling the top of the funnel. So we would want to make sure that that makes sense for that type of buyer, that type Mm -hmm. of journey. Um, All of those things need to make sense. The other side of that is, you know, an account executive, a sales specialist, whatever you call it, but they take it from, you know, the initial outreach, the initial inbound lead all the way through the close. So I think it's important to understand mm-hmm. what do I need here? What do right. we need here? Right. Um, I can tell you, I have been in lots of different organizations and worked in different, you know, kind of consulting different organizations about it. It is something that very often, very often people get wrong. So mm. I would take into consideration mm. here. Oh, well, we should, you know, if we're going to start building a sales team, we need SDRs, but mm-hmm. you might need an SDR. You mm-hmm. also and the reason why we would want to think about that is because if our total like revenue that we're bringing in per client, if we need to pay two people to get one client, does that number make sense? The right. cost, you know, customer acquisition cost is that number 
you know, because the, that head count is still there too. So, right. you know, so you need to kind of look at some things like that. So I think that's really important. What are we looking for? Right. Two, um, you need to have a leader in place. Yeah. I need mm. to know that there is somebody who is losing sleep over these people, their mm-hmm. progression, their development and their results. Mm-hmm. And what happens often is we have smaller companies who will come in and say like, oh, I can, I can devote time. And it's like, how much time, how much time can you devote to actually managing? Cause they need development. They need work. They right. need someone to help them get there. Mm-hmm. So right. I think it's really important to have someone in place, a leader that is responsible for this. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is that you have something documented. We have an idea. I'm not saying it's got to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm and what is in general the sales process here? How long in general does it take? How, what are the questions that we need to ask to know if this is truly a qualified prospect? Right. How, how do we define a prospect? What things have to happen for that to be true to say like this person is a actual prospect? You know, what are those things? So you need to have some of that framework done. And I've seen it be like, pages and pages long. And I've seen, you know, <laughs> a few like jotted down notes, as long as it's clear, we're all right. Right. But that, that work has to be done. I think you hit on a really key issue. And, and I love talking about leadership. So I, I want to kind of ratchet back to that one comment, right? That you have to have a leader in place. Mm-hmm. You have to have somebody to kind of set the tone and tempo at the top, as we would say, right? So talking about that, thinking about that and your experience about that. So what are some of the keys that you would look for in a good leader or or our audience members should be looking as, as they're kind of surveying their organization, right? And they're like, yeah, I probably should have a sales lead. And they're thinking about all the people. What are some of the qualities maybe they need to start start thinking about that would indicate that this person would be a good leader uh, for their sales team? Okay. So I'm not going <laughs> to give you a list of qualities, but I'm going to talk through a couple of things that I think are really excellent. Important. So excellent. in our, our space, there are a lot of people that are doing a lot of talking. Mm. And when I hear that, mm-hmm. I am looking for someone who is a practitioner. I am also okay. looking for someone who can do the work. Don't tell me how to sell. Can you sell too? Can mm-hmm. you also like, I, I know amazing sales leaders who haven't sold in 15 years, but they can still sell. They understand it. They do these things. They understand process. They know all of those things. And it makes, they have to still be relevant. And mm-hmm. I think that what oftentimes I hear and see is a lot of talking, but also I'm like, can you actually figure out what the problem is? If give, if you go into this organization, can you, do you actually know where to begin? Have you right. done before? Have mm-hmm. you done something similar? Like walk me through how you've solved another problem called uh, all the people here are saying we don't have enough leads and they're not good enough, which is pretty mm-hmm. much what every sales person says. But how do you go? One commonality. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But how do you go about figuring out if that's true? Mm -hmm. How do you solve that problem? And so, you know, sometimes I think it's about thinking through. And again, one of the things you'll hear me say over and over is as much as we can emulate the actual role that people are going into, I Mm -hmm. think we have a better shot at getting the right person. So meaning if I were going to hire a sales leader here at Aspireship, I would do it in a way that was like, we're going to brainstorm these three things. They're going to be actual problems. So I'm having current and I want to know how you think about solving them. I actually want to know how you're going to solve them. If I don't have an analyst for you and I don't have a sales ops person for you, that means it's you. So how are you solving it? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want you to theoretically talk it through. I want to see Mm -hmm. you work. Show me the work. 
because mm-hmm. what I do see is a lot of times people come in and talk and they say lots of things, but then, and actually they're like, oh, wait, I have to do that. Oh, I thought, you know, I thought we had people to do that. No, we don't have people to do that. Not when no. we're small and we're growing. So if right. you're a smaller, small business, an entrepreneur, you're like, yep, I think I actually need to go ahead and hire my first head of sales. I need to hire these things. Like, make sure they can do it. Right. So I think that's really, really critical. Also, somebody who is um, humble. I mean, sales mm-hmm. people in general, we're pretty com- we're confident people. We come right. at it like, yeah. can you say you're wrong? Do you make mm-hmm. mistakes? What are you doing? How do you communicate? How do you play on the team? Who are you on the team? I mean, those are all the questions that I tend mm-hmm. to have yeah. around that because this is such a pivotal, pivotal role in the organization. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, Often it's like the captain of the football team kind of thing is mm-hmm. the person, you know, and it's like the most notable part of the company sometimes is that part of the org, that part mm-hmm. of the field. So you've got to make sure that you've got strong leadership that people will follow and want to follow and are not mm-hmm. just directing, but are out in front and saying like, follow me, we're doing it together. You know, really that cohesive galvanizing person, I think not mm-hmm. necessarily that it's the person that is the most, you know, the best orator or the, or the one that can get everybody rallied. It's who do people want to follow? Yeah. And I think a, a huge piece of that is just general, just servant leadership in general, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, you follow me because I'm serving you and I'm helping you grow. Right. So I think it's just yep. sort of a natural thing. So yeah. 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 I'm so glad you brought up that servant leadership uh, point, Chloe. I mean, that's critical, right? Is mm-hmm. is to realize that you're there to help reduce and remove obstacles for the team right not be the the star of the entire show so that's an excellent point it is it's yeah it's critical and so christine i mean i know that you you know what what advice do you give to some of our our women-owned entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that are out here trying to grow some of their small businesses and just as they think about acquiring talent as they think about Mm -hmm. growing their businesses as they think about just work-life balance in general you know any you know just your thoughts and wisdom on that would be helpful for our audience I think that one of the most important things for us as women to know is I have learned this the hard way where I've been in a predominantly male driven environment and often was um, the female leading a lot of men. And I led and worked with incredible men. So I'm not, I I do not vilify that at all. And I have just had the opportunity to be sponsored and mentored by lots of different types of individuals. So I feel Mm -hmm. really grateful for that. However, what I do know is I did feel pressured often, and this was on myself, on my own, mm-hmm. my own issues here, mm-hmm. to be different than how I naturally am, mm-hmm. and to be more masculine. Uh, my team mm-hmm. laughs all the time because I hate it when people say, "Let's go crush it." Let's do it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think mm-hmm. it's, I don't like it at all, actually. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. we laugh at it because I'm like, "Why do we have to crush everything?" Like this, this. <laughs> I love that. Yes. It's like these little subtle ways of being. And mm-hmm. I have to mm-hmm. leader at one point tell me, Christine, the most important way to motivate people is through fear and you're being, mm-hmm. and they're going to take advantage of you. And this is, and, and like mistaking kindness for weakness. First mm-hmm. of all, I, I've, I fired lots of people. Like, yeah. I know, I know I'm, I'm not successful at this because I'm a lay down and just let every, uh, the right. reason why I know and understand my role. And also I can do it in a way that is uniquely me right. and I can be feminine and I can be strong and I don't have to apologize. And you know, what I said to him when he said that is I said, actually, you know, the better motivator is care and love and people will mm-hmm. do more for me 
yes. because right. I actually care for them and I actually mm-hmm. want to know who they are. And I promise you the results will be there. Just back off and let me do it my way. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, it takes a pretty confident person to say that. You know what he said to me? You got three months. Yes, yeah. said. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, go for it. You want to snuggle yeah. somebody? Go for it. But you know what? I am okay with that. Yes. I, yeah. am, I know I'm competent. I know what I'm doing. And yeah. I mm-hmm. so I would encourage the women that are doing this that feel pressured to do something different. Find mm-hmm. your understand exactly what you bring to the table and mm-hmm. your own special sauce is fine. Your superpower is great. People will follow you if you do yep. lead them well and also mm-hmm. are doing, you know, so I don't think I have to go in and try to do it their way. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and people follow great leaders no matter what, you know, it's yeah. just my style can be me. And I think that's an important thing to say to to everybody, yeah. right? It's yeah. it's realize that find your leadership style and that takes right. a lot of time. So talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the ways that you've helped coach these leaders, right? I mean, some of that leadership coaching, which is important, trying to help them find their signature style, because I'm probably a little bit more of a crush it kind of person, right? I'm like, (laughs) hey, we're going to go out here and we're going to kick butt from noon to night and we're going to, you know, do it. That's my style, right? And not yours. So how do you help people find that style that they're comfortable in so that they're leading from authenticity? Because I think what we're talking about is what people realize when they look at leaders, whether they are consciously making this evaluation or not, is, is my leader being authentic? Are they talking from a place? Yeah. Are they talking from a place of knowledge or fear? And are they really leading me or pushing me? Right. Mm. So, so how do you help leaders find that their voice, their leadership style? So number one, I want to make sure I'm really clear that I am definitely a high achiever. And the team <laughs> We weren't doubting that. Yes. It's so funny because this is often a misconception that because mm-hmm. I choose to not be crush it and dominating and trying to right. that 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 does not mean that I have any that I that I'm not intense and that mm-hmm. I don't have a very clear outcome that we're going for. And it does mean right. we're working till midnight. We will do it and we will have a good time mm-hmm. doing it. But that's mm-hmm. what so yeah. right. So I think it's interesting that it then this is not enough on you at like at all. Like Adam. Mm-hmm. I but I just think that so often people hear where I'm like, I think we can angle this a little bit differently. That like high performance is uh nice to have. No. Mm-hmm. High performance is it like that is what oh, yeah. that's all. Yeah. So, Perform or go home. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're doing. You know, what I have found is the more that I've developed leaders. So over time, you know, different managers and different leadership styles and, you know, different books. And the most important thing I think is learning how to be the a best, the, the best communicator. Mm-hmm. So for me, I have spent a ton of time with my teams on how to communicate more than probably yeah. leadership books is mm-hmm. like, how do we communicate better? What are we doing here? So we've done some really uncomfortable things. I've taken, um, mm-hmm. I remember one of my offsites were eight managers and mm-hmm. all of them men. And we literally gave each other feedback one by one by one on like one thing that you need to work on. And that was not the first thing that we'd done. We built a lot and done a lot to get there so that we had mm-hmm. to take rest, right? But we worked at communicating and communicating and communicating for six months. I remember I, every single week I had a team meeting with my managers and I would bring this little, I probably still have it, this little bucket Mm -hmm. and I would pick a topic and I'd throw in a bunch of quotes about the topics. Maybe it's about courage. And I would have everybody pick these quotes and we would go around in a circle and I'd say like, what is that? 
quote, did you, would you agree with it? Do you not agree with it? And it was like, it was so funny because the first couple of times they were like, why are you having us do this? And I'm like, we're learning how we all communicate. We're learning how things resonate with me. This quote, I completely disagree with while the rest of you love it. And here's why. And these different Mm -hmm. things, it was just a way for us to start Mm -hmm. learning how to talk to each other and how to like, understand that at the end of the day, we're all looking at the same thing through a different lens. Yeah. One quote Mm -hmm. that it's resonating different for all of us. And they were cracking up because I did this so often, you know, like I said, for about six months. And um, then the first time I didn't come in, I'm like, all right, we're going to do this new thing. And here's what we're going to do today. And, you know, that was kind of the way that I did them. like an icebreaker to get us rolling and whatever we were doing. And they were like, where's the bucket? What are we doing? Where's the bucket? And I'm like, (laughs) we're not doing that anymore. I think we are understanding how we're resonating. I think we're starting. And they were like, man, we like that thing. That was was (laughs) like, (laughs) we want the bucket back. Yes. You know, and so I think less about, yes, leadership books. Yes. Understanding concepts. Right. All of these things are super important, but man, understanding how we can all be better observers of ourselves and also mm-hmm. better communicators together, I think has been what I would say the strongest leadership lesson that I've been a part of helping kind of enable and encourage those discussions more mm-hmm. than let's go through this leadership book. Yeah, Love that's it. great. That's great. More hands-on. And mm-hmm. I definitely think communication is critical. And and learning how to just, and, and also learning how to motivate. I mean, but I mean, yeah, yeah. both are, both are equally as important. So yeah, that's great. That's a great exercise. Thanks. It's, it's always, I mean, and also, gosh, you have to be like innovative and creative as you do this stuff. Like I I don't know things to do. I don't know like ways to try to, you know, especially if you're having like friction on the team or, yeah. Mm -hmm sales teams, I mean, these teams are fighting for the same thing most of the time. So there's right. a lot of competition. There's a lot of, it can be animosity. There's a lot of different styles. And so the more that we can work together, and I think cross-functionally, it's a huge problem in most companies as well. Mm. You know, where it's like, well, the customer experience team is feeling like this and the sales yeah. team is this. And so, yeah, just communicating. Yeah. Yeah. Communicating is, is critical. Well, well, before we wrap up, Christine, I have one more question for you. You know, if you, you know, of all the key lessons that you've learned over your career, what's one that you wish you would have known at the start of it? I am a lifelong people pleaser. So Mm -hmm. for me, Mm -hmm. a lot of my worth as like what I felt like my worth had a lot to do with achievement Mm -hmm. and had a lot to do with, um, you know, kind of how I was being perceived. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things for me was really starting to detach, like my outcomes, my achievements, my, um, you know, all of the things that, that I was producing are not a factor in a determination of like how I am like my worthiness. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Big thing. And that was just like, for, for me, you know, um, to really dig into and to understand that like these outcomes don't, don't, don't have to determine that for me. And I, that was like really hard to get to. And yeah. I, struggled with it. I still struggle. I mean, I still struggle all the time because a high performer, high achiever, like this is right. my personality type. I'm like an Enneagram three. Like I'm just, hard yes. Type, right? yes. You know? yes. So I was like, do you hear yeah. this? All of our type three, all of our type a listeners, yep. like, yes, yep. <laughs> it's totally me. And so working on that and knowing that, so really yeah. get of knowing. So I think that's a really important thing. Well, wonderful. That's, that's a great, I think that's something that we all should be thinking about. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Christine. 
you can you can follow Christine and all her work and everything yeah. that she's doing on LinkedIn at Christine Rogers. And you can learn more about Aspireship at Aspireship.com. And that's A-S-P-I-R-E ship.com. Also, make sure you stay tuned to our new episodes as well and our new series on women leading the way. Thank you again, yes. Christine. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.